Brick and Mortar Reporter, Episode 70. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hi there, locals. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and I'm your host for today. I'm so glad you joined us today. It's actually Wednesday, November 12th, and you're hearing this episode on the same day we're recording it. So that means we're caught up to real time, so that's always a good thing. It's a beautiful, sunny morning in South Florida. Temperatures right now are about 68, 69 degrees. Get a, uh, up today, we'll get to about 78 or 79. So this is what I call perfect weather. The humidity is a little bit lower than normal. I realize from watching the news that some of you are waking up to cold, cold temperatures. And even though it's fall, Technically, by the calendar, it feels like winter because of the Arctic blast some of you are experiencing. So, um, I feel bad for you. I'm in a shorts and a t-shirt on my back porch enjoying a beautiful sunrise. So, it's one of those things where it's not all about perspective, and this is the perspective uh, that I have chosen for my life. And uh, I am working to make it after quitting my job and moving to Key West. So wanted to give you an update and give you some, um, just some real, you know, deep thinking that I've done over the past few days. And it's funny because sometimes it really, it helps you to try to look at the numbers and, and try to really do some figuring out about how far away you are from your goal. Many people would probably say at this point, Christy, why don't you just give up? I mean, why don't you just quit trying to struggle along? Just go get a job. And it's not that I'm opposed to getting a job. I don't mind working. It's not a matter of hard work. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build a business. And if you're trying to build a business, I'm just going to tell you, you only hear about the successes if you're hearing someone talk about their business in general uh, media today, whether you're listening to another podcast, they never, <laughs> never yet seen a podcast of, um, we're going to tell you, we're going to bring on the most uh, failed business owners, and we're going to tell you about all the times that they failed. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody has any credibility until they succeed. But what you don't hear is that the failure happens, you know, 90% of the time, there are multiple failures leading up to the success. And so, um, you know, uh, while we focus on the successes and think, wow, they're, you know, they're brilliant. Look what they've come up with. It's because they failed all those times and they kept iterating and they ended up getting ultimately to where they want to be. So I am working on my business, the uh, food cart down at Mallory Square. It's a simple concept. It's not rocket science. It's not a complex business model, and it's not anything that is within the realm of possibility for me succeeding on. And I'm going to talk to you today about why I don't give up. I know I've mentioned it before, and I don't know if many of you have ever seen the show, the television show. I don't watch a lot of, ton of TV or anything, but um, when I do, I tend to watch CNBC a lot, and the... Uh, show that I'm really liking right now, and I don't even know how long it's been out because I've just discovered it within the past several months, but 
it's the profit and it really helps you look at your business through someone else's eyes when you see the main character Marcus Lemonis I don't think he, I would call him a character but the main sh figure in the show um, he plays himself <laughs> Marcus Lemonis and he's a business person he's a CEO he's an entrepreneur and he invests his own money into help into helping save uh, failing businesses and turning them around so he's kind of like the turnaround guy and really it's amazing what these businesses uh, are what shape the businesses are in whenever he gets there and first thing he starts doing is he starts talking to them about their numbers and what are you you know what are your sales what is your debt what is your you know, and he goes down through the line what you know how many units are you selling what is your margin on those units what you know and so it, it just it spells out exactly what the critical parts of your business are and it's it's good to look at your business from those those uh, critical data points I would say um, it's and when I look at what I'm doing in my, my food cart business I am definitely I'm not hitting exactly where I need right now in order to live um, and so what what happens and, and let me just show you kind of how you break this down because it's it's difficult and, and even if you watch you know if you watch Shark Tank they they do the same thing whenever somebody comes in with an idea you know they they kind of listen to the pitch and the you know whenever they're like okay sharks who wants to join us in our adventure or whatever it is they're pitching the first thing they start doing is saying what are your sales how much does it cost you to make the product what are you selling the product for how many units have you sold and what is the market what channels are you using to currently sell your product by learning all this information they can assess whether the business has a chance of succeeding or whether it doesn't or whether really in their minds whether it's worth the investment of their own money now some of you probably would have quit by now and I cannot say that I blame you for what I'm doing uh, it, it would be a, a much easier road I mean it would be so easy to go to bed at night knowing I get up and go to get up and go to work tomorrow morning and work for somebody else and bring home a paycheck at the end of the week and while it would be easy it's not what I'm here to do I'm not here to continue to be employed and work hard for someone else when I can work hard for myself and earn the benefit and earn the uh, lifestyle that I moved here to achieve and luckily for me I mean when I see how some people live I, I think Key West is a high cost area but it's high cost compared to what I'm used to in uh, South Carolina and even from in Alabama where I'm from um, the cost of living is much lower but I do see parts of the country uh, New York and California and even some other areas of the country that have a much much higher cost of living and so when you put it all in perspective I don't need a miracle to happen every single month I mean I am not needing to make $15,000 a month just to survive my numbers are much smaller than that and that's, that's part of the reason why I feel like this is doable now where I am right now I have been down at Mallory Square every night and I haven't I haven't missed a night unless there's been uh, weather issues where we just have not had a sunset no one was going to be out so I'm down there through the week I'm uh, in, in a resident uh, a residential a vacation type area a resort type area where I live in Key West 
um, many times weekdays and weekends really don't bear any difference because you're dealing with a tourist population. So in other words, when I say there's not really any difference between them, um, you could go down and have a blow-up night on Wednesday in the middle of the week and possibly it rival what you would expect to do on a weekend. You automatically assume weekends are going to be busier because maybe more people are traveling or uh, more people have got, gotten away for the weekend and come to our location. So what I do is I go down there every single night and I've got a couple of things that I'm doing. I have been able to, since the Superboat races last week when I started selling my ice cream, I have been able to continue selling that even though technically I have not juried it in. I will jury it in on Monday morning. Now, I think what happened is I, I got lucky and I didn't. You know, I just had decided I was just going to take a chance and continue bringing it after the Superboat races because I kind of had gotten people immune to seeing me with a new product. And no one's really going to realize, number one, that I've been selling it all week. And number two, that I haven't really juried it in until I show up on Monday morning. And so I have been down there and I what I do is I use liquid nitrogen and I make ice cream right there made to order. Um, and I sell it uh, for $8 a cup. And I know that might seem outrageous to some people, uh, but you're, again, you're talking about the convenience of having it made for you. You're talking about you just walk up to the, the walk up to my booth, you order it, I make it for you, and it's kind of a higher cost product than some of the other things I'm doing because of the liquid nitrogen. Also because of you know I'm dealing with a perishable perishable product, um, dealing with the bases that I make up for my ice cream. So. It's completely, when I when I look at products that I need to make and I want to make and sell, um, the first thing I have to look at is do I have the capacity on my food cart to carry that product or to make that product. And if I do, then I need to look at, you know, and break down the numbers and say, okay, what, what would it cost me in time and or money to make that product? And then I have to look beyond that and even look at the capacity. Uh, it's kind of an old, uh, an old terminology. I guess from the book The Goal, when you when you talk about you know capacity and throughput and and those sort of factors, how many of those of whatever the product is could I make? I mean, if it takes me ten minutes to make a product for someone as they order it, clearly I could only do six of those an hour. If I only sold, if I sold six an hour, could number one, could I maintain that? And number two, would that bring me the money I need to make? So I have to look at what sort of excess capacity I have to make that on my food cart. So the air, two areas I'm focusing on as I expanded, um, I've also, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mention that I'm still doing my cryopop, which is the caramel corn that I make with the liquid nitrogen. And um, I make the caramel corn ahead of time. It's done. I take it down to Valerie Square and mix it with liquid nitrogen and make a frozen treat right as soon as. And people still don't get it when I explain it. They think, is it like ice cream or something like that? So any, anyway, so I'm, I'm doing that. So I've got the cryopop and the ice cream, and both of those are utilizing the equipment and the resource of the liquid nitrogen that I already have on the cart to do the cryopop. The other resource that I have on the cart that I could put to use in a different way is a grill. I have a grill, a small, it's a, like a Brinkman, uh, Brinkman uh, tabletop grill, but it's got a decent um, 
square footage as far as the surface area of the grill. So I can grill quite a few things. I mean, it's not much smaller than my home grill. And that, you know, uh, for two people at a house, you know, you use a grill, you cook, you know, two hamburgers, two steaks, two pieces of chicken, you know, you're not completely utilizing it, you know, completely uh, all the surface area anyway. But I can do what I need to do down there with that grill. So when I look at products to add, the smartest thing for me to do is add things that either utilize li liquid nitrogen or utilize the grill that I am already going to be bringing down there. And so what I'm looking at is I have added my kebabs back in. I don't have that reflected on my signage. I don't have my water, uh, not my water, my ice cream uh, noted on my signage either. So I'm using temporary signage for those two products. Now, when you think I failed and I keep changing my products and sometimes I feel like I'm all over the place. And I don't like feeling that way because it makes me feel indecisive. It makes me look indecisive. It makes me look like I am just throwing everything at the wall and trying to see what sticks. And even though it looks that way, I am trying to be strategic with the type of products that I actually bring on my booth and, and, and continue to try to sell. But here's the thing. I sell the uh, ice cream for $8. I sell the cryopop for $5. My kebabs, I do a beef tenderloin or a chicken. They're, they're marinated in garlic lime. Have you eaten yet today? Does that sound good? Does it smell good? It, it's delicious. Um, a garlic lime marinade, and I marinate them overnight. And it's, it's all beef or all chicken kebab. I'm not adding any vegetables. I used to add vegetables, and I found that people were picking them off or not wanting them because they really just wanted the meat. And so I um, took off the vegetables and the meat actually makes it an easier product to work with because there's less work to do and um, it has more of the uh, more flexibility with that product so five dollars for the kebab uh, each kebab five dollars for the cryopop and eight dollars for the ice cream now there are some things I'm looking at doing I've got a jury uh, opportunity coming up on Monday morning and I'm going to try to bring several other I've got to get the ice cream juried right because I've been doing that kind of on the down low and with the understanding that if somebody says anything I will immediately stop selling it and follow the rules but it's not you know the thing is I know I'm making the product I know the product's going to be okay as far as the jury goes and so in that way it's just a minor technicality that we haven't had a chance to jury it in yet so while it's kind of bending a rule it's definitely not breaking them near as much as everyone else that's down there selling things that really should never have been sold in the first place down there because of all the rules. Um, so anyway, what I wanted to, to, to show you, though, is when I break it down and when I really look at what what do I need to sell and what do I need to bring home in order for this to be successful. And at this point, if I was able to gross... $200 in sales a night and you remember I'm, I've got a essentially a three-hour period right so just slightly under $70 an hour is what I need to make in order to feel comfortable about my living now you also have to remember that when I say that amount I'm you know based it on a 30-day Work, work month. Um, I'm not taking my weekends off. I'm not doing any of that 
uh, work five days off too, I, I realize in my mind there are going to be days when I'm not going to be able to go because of the temperature, not the temperature, the weather. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to be able to go because it might be pouring rain and that sort of thing. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to take me out of being down there. So I go every other chance I get in hopes that I can get down there um, every night of the month. And so for me to just take a night off, I have to have a really good reason um, in order to do that, because I otherwise I'm down there every single night trying to make the money I need to make to live off of. So if I made $200 a night, I would be perfectly fine. You know, if I was able to be down there 700, seven, <laughs> can't talk this morning. I guess I haven't finished my cup of coffee yet. I get if I was able to be down there seven nights a week, $200 obviously is $1,400 a week. And by bringing that home and multiplying it times the four weeks and that sort of thing, I would more than have compensated for what I was bringing home on my six-figure job once all my benefits were taken out, once everything else was taken out. Is it the live the life of your fantasy type money? No, but it's it's where I need to, my, my baseline needs to be in order for me to feel comfortable um, with with doing what I'm doing. So. What does that break down to? If I look at how many, that if I'm selling a product for $5, that means every night I need to sell 40 of them. If I'm selling a product for $8, I then only need to sell 25. And if I sell a product for $10, I don't have a $10 product yet, then I only need to sell, right, 20 of them. So what I need to do is figure out what it's going to take for me to get to that level. Now, what I've started doing, or what I think I'm going to start doing, and this is something I can be flexible about any time, is with my kebabs, I think I want to start selling one for five and two for eight. Now, what that does is it sells twice as many kebabs, but it also bumps that $5 threshold to the $8 threshold. And so when I'm looking at what I that means I need to sell, essentially I go from forty to, to twenty five. So just it's immediately, and, and, and what so I want it changes. Break down in my mind you know, it changes dramatically. So if I look at a five, if I'm able to sell an eight dollar item, figure or an out average of what $8, steps I need to take to bridge that gap. I only need to sell so by utilizing my grill and utilizing the liquid nitrogen and adding more products along that line, I can then get closer to the success that I need. The other part of what I'm doing is that I am also going to have the opportunity shortly in December to lengthen the amount of time I sell on certain days. And that means that I could be down there during one, any time a cruise ship is down in, in Mallory Square and Dock Theater, I can be down selling. So my goal doesn't change because the hours get lengthened. In, in other words, I have more of an opportunity. My, my windows are open, window of opportunity is open longer for a period during the day whenever the most traffic is there with the cruise ships. So it there there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I just have to hold out until then and keep doing what I need to know I need to do in order to be successful. But by looking at these numbers, it also makes me look a little bit realistically at what the options are. I have been thinking about um, trying to jury in some drink products. Now, it, we're in the middle of winter, or, uh, yeah, winter, and we're heading into winter in, uh, in South Florida, 
and uh, even though it doesn't really get as cold down here as where probably you are right now, people do drink more hot drinks during the winter, and so I was thinking about trying to jury in some coffee or something else. Now that I'm thinking about it in terms of the amount of dollars it brings versus the amount of space it takes and the amount of time it takes me, would take me to make that kind of thing, it really makes you rethink it. Because if I'm selling a cup of coffee for $3 or whatever, I mean, really look at how how much of that I would have to sell. Now, granted, it could be supplemental. I mean, it wouldn't hurt if I, if I sold 10 cups of coffee that you know for $3 each, that's $30 more dollars. But wouldn't my time be better spent selling one more higher dollar item or two, you know, two more per hour? You know what I mean? You have to look at it in those kind of terms. So I'm not giving up because I'm not that far away. Now, the success that I had at the Superboat races came in large part because I was able to sell bottled drinks and things that I would not be able to sell at sunset. So um, after jury on Monday, this coming Monday, I have got to get my signage taken care of, and by that I mean I've got to have my signs accurately reflecting what my cart is doing. The permanent sign that I have on there right now is only cryopop, and I've decided that while other people in the Mallory Square peer group that I'm in, um, they might sell one item or one product a night and be able to make their living. I don't have that kind of a product. Let me give you an example. There are people down there that sell smoothies. They sell them for five bucks each. Well, I don't know what they need to hit their threshold for what they're, you know, what they need to make. And those people that are making smoothies or selling the pineapple drinks, well, that is absolutely perfectly fine to make what they need to make each day and make their living. They've been doing it for years. They're able to do it off of, off of one product. I am going to have to diversify and do more than one product because uh, I haven't found that product that is so universal that it sells uh, like crazy yet. I'm looking for that product and I'm scouring my brain and my uh, internet and everything else to try to figure that out. I've got a couple of ideas for some other things and one of the things I look at for products is um, how much time is it going to take me during the day in order to make this product. Uh, and the other part is how perishable is it? Is it something I can make and if I need to I can make it up ahead of time and I can either freeze it or something else, uh, another way to preserve it even after I maybe uh, if we had a whole entire, see, here's the thing, if we had a whole entire week where it was going to do nothing but rain, which it did a couple of weeks ago, there were four nights in a row that I was not able to go down to Mallory Square, but you didn't know it from one night to the next. So what I need is a product that if I have to sit out for four nights, um, I could I freeze it or something in order to preserve it for the next night and so that I don't end up losing a bunch of money to inventory. So these are all things that I'm thinking about as I bring other products to jury. And so I'm definitely going to go ahead and uh, jury in a couple more products using absolutely utilizing what I have right now. There's one product that if I try to do it, it's going to essentially... Um, occupy my grill. In other words, I would probably have to give up my kebabs. But I think I can make it a higher price product and a more universal product. So if I did that, I would be trading off a lower price, less popular product for a higher priced, more popular product, which would completely make sense. So I am not terribly far 
from succeeding. And when I say that, granted right now, I might sell a total of 10 items a night. Uh, maybe sometimes on the weekend, it's more like 15 items. And they're in the 5 to $8 threshold. So, you know, I'm, I'm on the radar, right? I'm, I'm making just little bitty bumps along the, the bottom of the threshold where I, I need to be. And so if I could double what I'm doing, and triple what I'm doing, which will happen almost naturally whenever we get more volume in. Uh, when I say more volume, I mean more tourists whenever the real season hits, which it hasn't yet. So understand I've got all these factors going on, and I've just got to figure out a way to get to that minimum threshold and know that if it takes me coming up with three different products, that I need to sell ten of each of those products a night in order to hit my dollar mark, then that's what I need to do. But that's doable. You know, I'm not making something where I need to sell 200 of them a night. Do, do you see what I'm saying? When you're talking about, you know, one to to about maybe 4,000 people will be down on the pier any given night. And so as the traffic grows and the volume grows by default, if all things aren't being equal, um, I should do a higher revenue amount. So um, why not give up? Well, I've already invested so much time and so much money, and I've jumped through so many hoops in order to do this. And when I really break down the numbers, it's not that big of a reach. And it's interesting because um, I, I keep going back to the profit Mar uh, and market, Marcus Lemonis, and whenever many times he comes in and looks at a business, even whenever he looks at their debt and the things that they have uh, outstanding on their business, he'll break it down into, okay, how many more units do you need to sell every year in order to be profitable? And he even takes it to the point of trying to um, cut costs in such a way. You know, he might say, okay, at this point, your business, you know, you've told me that your business lost however many dollars, $100,000 uh, last year. and But at the same time, you've got this cost out here that if we could fix it and get it under control, it would automatically save you $30,000 a year, which then your losses then decrease. And so he, he puts it in real basic black and white everyday numbers that people can understand, and it makes you realize that you can bridge the gap. And what is it going to take? Maybe it's going to take me having four different products that I sell. I don't know. I understand that some of the frozen stuff that I'm doing um, on my food cart might not sell as well during the winter. So then what I need to do is offset that with some more hot food that is going to sell better during the winter. And at the same time, it might need to be a higher price point because it's, it's more like, a I don't want to say a meal replacement because it would be a meal. And so that's what I'm looking at. So when you look at the numbers, it doesn't make sense for me to quit right now. And I could even, if I had to, um, at some point in time, the opportunity will come up where I could get a part-time supplemental job or even uh, do something crazy like a uh, you know, a paper route or something that's in the off hours that I would be normally down um, at Mallory Square. And the weird thing is with Mallory Square, because of daylight savings time and because of the time change, um, and the, even the days get shorter versus getting longer, it changes drastically what my day looks like. Right now, I'm leaving about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I get home about 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night. And so whenever we get to a point where 
the days are longer, I'm not having to leave my house until 4 or 4.30 in the afternoon, and then I get home at, you know, 9.30 at night, so, or 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, and so um, it would be hard for me to go out and get a a job like a first shift job where I work seven to three or something because in certain parts of the year that's going to cut into Mallory Square. So I wanted to kind of, you know, when you look at things from a very clinical, very data-driven perspective, at this point it doesn't make sense for me to quit. It doesn't make sense for me to give up. It makes sense for me to figure out ways to bridge that gap. So that's what I'm doing. I'm not at all happy with uh, the performance that I've been getting out of my products. I blame it on a couple of things and I'm going to be doing what I can do to rectify those things. And, and part of it is signage. Part of it is needing to get the um, new items that I want to do approved so that I can legally and without reservation sell them. And um, you know that's that's what I'm doing. So every single week I'm doing something to hopefully increase my chances of getting to that point. At the same time, every week that goes by, we're getting closer to our busy season. I have picked up two other events that I'm going to be doing um, that'll be more like daytime events that are not Mallory Square related. One is on November 23rd. Um, I will be doing a uh, ASPCA it's Parade of Paws and Holiday Bazaar that they're doing. is from 9 to 1. I'll be doing that. Also on Saturday, November 22nd, I will be doing an all-day, like a 10 to 5, uh, uh, Key West Chalk Artists Festival that's going on. And I'll be selling ice cream for both of those events and, and whatever else I can put on my cart and, and you know, realistically do. So in those two venues, one does cost $50 to be there as a vendor. The other costs nothing. So on that 9 to 1, anything I make is just extra and it's just gravy. And so um, trying to pick up another uh, festival or two. I'm also trying to book any holiday parties. Um, I figured out that I can make, clearly, I can make uh, holiday flavored ice cream. I can do eggnog and peppermint and other, you know, uh, holiday type flavors. And I could also make my caramel corn red and green so that um, it's, you know, colors that would be reflective of the holidays and go to a holiday party and kind of set up a liquid nitrogen bar and be able to provide people with some really cool snacks and that sort of thing at their holiday parties or other events that are going on. So don't know how I'll do with that. If I get one of those booked, it would just, that's one of those things that it's like that's one more thing to help bridge the gap between where I am and where I need to be. And so I think it's just really important that I look at this in a very, very logical manner. My tendency is to get emotional. I think we all do. And I can't do that. So I can't freak out. I can't panic. I've just got to do what I've got to do in order to bridge the gap from where I am in the low-performing threshold of where I need to be and raise that up to get it in my comfort zone. And so uh, hopefully that will be changing very quickly. And, you know, the other thing I haven't mentioned is that if I can get a good enough product, I also have the opportunity to sell to vendors down there. I mean, there's, there's you know, 15 to 30 vendors that are there every single night. And many of them will buy 
certain products every night. The popcorn guy has several vendors that come up and buy every single night, five bucks a bag for popcorn. And so uh, that that can also, I mean, you, you can build up some steady customers that way. So it's just one of those things where I'm going to keep trying, I'm going to keep iterating. I am not giving up because realistically, it's not a shoot for the moon, Hail Mary kind of thing. You know, I need to make a million dollars and I need to sell, you know, a thousand of these a day or even a thousand dollars a day. I'm looking for $200 a day. That's not too much to ask. And so I think I can get there, and I think I can get there with ease. And then whenever the times are good, I can save for the leaner times and the, the lower season as far as the tourists go. So let it be a lesson to you. Whenever you feel like giving up, and it's that emotional side of your brain that is wanting to say, this is too hard, I can't do this, Boy, this is a lot of work for nothing. I've never worked this hard to be this poor. That's exactly what my emotional side wants to tell me. But I have to counter that with looking at things very logically and very very clinically, so to speak, so that it's just look at the facts, analyze them, and see what the data tells you. And the data tells me that I'm not that far off. I need to double and triple what I'm doing. Okay, what is it going to take to do that? And what is it going to take to get me there? So that's where I am. Not, you know, I'd love to come back and tell you that I've had fantastic success and everything's great. But here's the thing. Business is a process and the failure is a process and success is a process. And I am in the throes of that right now, just trying to figure out what it's going to take to get me to the level where I can go to bed every single night and know that the next day I can get up and go earn my minimum threshold and more and make it uh, a full-time, a, a living, make a full-time living off of what I'm doing. So uh, there are other ways to supplement it, though, so I will figure it all out eventually, and I appreciate you going on the journey with me. I will be able to tell you I haven't um, haven't tried some of the couple of, I've got in the next couple of days, I'm going to try some of the products that I want to begin making and selling, and so I'm not going to tell you what those are yet, but I want to try them just to see how it works, how it tastes. I, I need to have a product I can be proud of. And so I definitely uh, got, have got to get that under my belt before I can even tell you uh, what I'm thinking about doing. So anyway, thank you for coming along on this journey with me. If you are in a place where you know you need to change your life, don't be afraid to take the first step. What are you doing today? It's not it's not one giant leap and boom you're gonna you're gonna change everything you want to do overnight, but ask yourself what is what is one thing I could do today, this very day, to take a step toward that ultimate goal of where I want to be. For some people, maybe it's organizing your closet. For other people, maybe it's updating your resume. For some people, maybe it is. Uh, Putting a, putting a piece of something you have in your house on Craigslist to sell it in order to get the money to do what you want to do with it. I don't know what it is, but it'll never happen if you don't take the first step. So take the first step today, and then once you take a step today, then figure out what the step you need to take tomorrow is, and the next day, and the next day. And pretty soon, all you have to do to achieve your goals is not break the chain of successive days where you've taken action. So it builds day after day upon 
the step you took the previous day, and before you know it, you can change your life and you can have the life that you really, really want. Don't be afraid of failure. Failure is not final. Failure is not fatal. It won't be the end of the world. Fail fast. That's what I'm doing. I'm failing fast and iterating again and again and again as many times as I need to in order to figure this thing out. Um, and so I will. And eventually you will be able to hear me give you all the success tips I have along with all the tips and the things that I have learned from failure because I will learn from both of them equally. So I feel better when I learn from success though. Now, I don't learn as much from success, but it feels better to me. And uh, I want you to have the success you want in your life as well. So thank you for coming along with this journey. Um, and it's not an easy one. I know it's not an easy one to listen to the ups and downs, but this is real life. This is the roller coaster ride that we talked about yesterday. And um, I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. Winston Churchill gave a famous speech where he said, Never, ever, ever ever give up and so that's what I want to leave you with today so don't give up keep pushing through you can make it happen thanks you guys so much for listening have a fantastic day thank you for listening to the brick and mortar reporter podcast where we build businesses all day long with no permits remember local businesses are the backbone of our economy so whenever you have the opportunity choose local 